0: You're listening to the podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners or sponsors. I talk.
1: Talk. There we go. Guys, we're 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 live here. Okay. We're we're live live. So, we're <laughs> live live. Play the fight song. Real this time. Everybody, well, welcome to D&D Dance Party. <laughs> yes, yeah.
2: what no, you don't you never see my sexy air drumming? I, I, do
1: I have, I've seen it. it's a requirement every week that before the show yeah, starts, no. while but we're listening to the theme all right. song. Welcome
2: to 3DM's podcast. This is episode 14, guys. Uh, this week we are talking about the little things and uh, what we mean specifically by that. So, we're doing January New World, uh, New Year New World, you know, doing some world building and stuff. We're all working on a campaign setting together. For and, better and worse. Yeah, for better and worse or worse. No, it's and worse. And uh today we're going to talk about the most unexciting but necessary part of really any world building adventure. That's economy, transportation, tech levels, things like that. The, the stuff that you forget you need to have when you're doing your world building
0: until like it actually comes up in play. It's like the world needs to be believable. And if you don't actually write any of this in and players decide to do anything other than go off your carefully aligned plot, they're going to – that illusion is going to shatter once they realize that you can't figure out how exactly a town makes money.
2: Yeah. So (laughs) – before we launch into that though, uh, we record every week out of the Podcast Detroit studios in Royal Oak. Uh, podcast Detroit, if you live in the southeastern Michigan area and you've ever wanted to start your own podcast or online radio show, it's just as easy as getting in contact with them. Go to PodcastDetroit.com to get started. Uh, super cheap, super affordable. gives you a lot of good opportunities and uh, very comfortable studios and a lot of great people to work with. So Podcast Detroit. So, I recommend it. World building, week three. We've already done a lot of the big sexy stuff, you know, like gods and, uh, you know, the the, creation of the world, the creation in the world, you know, all the stuff you really look forward to. So let's get into everybody's favorite part of world creation, tax law.
0: Yeah, Currency inflation. What's the percentage? (laughs) No, but for real. So uh, we've actually got
2: this mapped out a little bit. We're going to try to touch on a bunch of little stuff that always gets uh, glanced
0: over sometimes. Kind of swept under the rug.
2: Yeah. So the very first thing that we're actually going to tackle today um, before we get to everybody's absolute favorite, which is economics.
0: Yeah. 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 Thrilling stuff. You guys get ready for the mercantile system because I'm ready.
2: Uh, We are actually going to talk about tech levels.
0: Yes, that's it's it's one of those things. Tech levels are this kind of thing that kind of just gets assumed to be at a sort of fourteen hundreds or rather thirteen hundreds medieval Europe level and just doesn't ever move from there, which can be frustrating because that makes no sense. Yeah. So um,
2: let's start off really quick though with the levels of fantasy that we can all be expected to work with.
0: Yeah. So generally speaking in a fantasy game like Dungeons and Dragons and indeed like fantasy literature, there's three rough categories of fantasy that you're going to care about. There's low fantasy where, well, I, it sounds somewhat dismissive, but it's a setting more grounded in real-world problems and real people than most things. And the, When I say low fantasy, I don't necessarily mean low magic, although it usually implies it. Low fantasy is low amounts of fantastical elements in the setting. Uh, a good example of low fantasy that almost everyone will be familiar with is uh, Game of Thrones or The Witcher. Yeah. Or less commonly, there's other things that are sort of swept under the rug, but – We'll get to those later. Yeah, we'll those cover
2: ones. those later. But yeah, things like Game of Thrones, The Witcher, both really good examples of stuff where there are dragons in them, but at the same time, a lot of people don't believe in them. because yeah, most they...
0: people are just more interested in getting through the day, or you know, wars are not dragons. between good and evil, yeah. They're and, for conquering land and.
1: And where there are there are problems that are brought up that do involve like the the gods of. Game of Thrones, that's not the centralized plot. So, it's really about who's sitting on the chair yeah, at that point. So that's low fantasy. Um, really quick, what's mid and high fantasy?
0: Mid fantasy is uh, – the best way to describe it is Conan the Barbarian. The best way to describe it is fantastic elements are everywhere, but it's not like everywhere, everywhere. It's The average person has probably seen a magical thing happen, but that doesn't mean that they're just – you walk out your building, you see your local wizard creating a magic item on a street corner or something. Yep. Yeah. And that's from people are probably pretty familiar with that because many uh, fantasy settings are in fact in mid fantasy and high fantasy is sort of the other end of the bell curve to low fantasy where magic is everywhere and fantastic elements are everywhere. Um, the largest and most common one people are probably familiar with is uh, Warcraft. Yeah, is extremely high fantasy. Yeah, there's magic and there's. Uh, Non-human races everywhere and things are all about good and evil.
2: And And you walk into Stormwind and there's 85 people just sitting AFK with a legendary weapon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much.
3: (laughs) We got a few first-time listeners on this podcast this week too. So shout out to Amaya Yaza and Victoria Villanueva.
1: That's actually a perfect segue into Jake Telling… Tell the new viewers all about our giveaway. Yeah. No, we
2: didn't glance over that. So, by the way, uh, thanks for tuning in, new people. Uh, We are doing a giveaway. Once we get to 500 likes on our Facebook page, uh, Fado, if you could kindly post the uh, the little pin on our comment section about uh, the exact specifics on our giveaway. But head to our Facebook page, 3DM's Podcast. Throw us a like and – Uh, once our Facebook page gets to 500 likes, we are going to give away a book to two lucky listeners. Um, any book you want from Fifth Edition, really, or any uh, you know, any book that's reasonable for us to get our hands on that we can send to you. We'll even autograph it if you really want that. But um, point is, once we get to 500 likes, we're going to give away two books. So non-special,
3: we saw that
1: non-special edition.
2: Yeah, just not, to clarify. We can't pay
0: $300 yeah. for a special
3: edition book from 2002. We're not, not going to on an eBay auction for you. No, you can do that on your
2: own <laughs> Right. But back to tech levels and
0: So one thing levels. that people get stuck with in the low, middling, high fantasies, everyone sort of has this idea of what fantasy is like and that you've got knights and armor and castles and you've got kings feuding with their lords and you've got everything all the place. But the thing is that was a fairly short period of history where stuff like that was happening. And Dungeons and & Dragons' settings have stayed like this for a couple thousand years, like on average. I mean in Faerun, for example, uh, the Forgotten Realms, uh, they've sort of been at this tech level for over 3,000 years and nothing has changed. Yeah, There's been no developments. Which
2: we refer to as medieval stasis. So let's yes. cover medieval stasis and um, let's – I guess let's try to tack down what our campaign setting is in terms of a low, mid to high – Yeah. Fantasy. Um, so, medieval stasis is long story short. When everybody is stuck in, like the 800s to the 1400s for thousands of years,
0: with no advancement. before there's no like development of the windmill. There's no water wheel development. Yeah, they like they don't change ship types.
2: Yeah, they get they get carts and it's good.
0: Yeah, we're done. Okay, we developed the cart. Technology is over. Yeah. What's that? We've got. We yeah.
3: didn't get good at building arches again either.
2: Yeah, we've made steel and Hashtag Gothic life. Yeah, we've made steel and we've made carts.
0: Nailed it. We're set. Nailed it. Like even the dwarves and stuff the, the gnomes, they may develop like very primitive gunpowder, but they never go any further with it.
1: Right.
2: And so you know, with but, that clarification of what medieval
0: stasis is, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You can do medieval stasis as well, and many people do. But it's something to be aware of: is that um, people don't usually Wait. just stop innovating. We just got a comment that said, rip, "Oh,
3: rip the cam." No, I'm sorry, cam. I was, Andrew and I were commenting about my GoPro. We did not have time to. Say
1: <laughs> oh, that. I thought that our camera went no, out no, for no, a second. I great. almost, I don't almost panicked.
3: I'm on it. Yeah, don't worry about oh,
0: the comments. Okay. But, yeah. So, I actually we do kind of GoPro like right medieval stasis because there's lots of cool stories you can tell with a sort of. Fourteen hundred slash War of the Roses era. Yeah,
3: not too much fancy uh, story.
0: There's not Friends like water wheels and powered ships going around. But on the other hand, most settings would be you'd probably decry a historical setting as incredibly unrealistic if everyone used the exact same weapons and armor for six hundred years. Yeah, yeah.
2: So let's let's put a an official thing
0: on what our setting is. It's got to be somewhat high fantasy, if only because we have dragons running around all. Yeah, around we have dragons. Yeah, we have
3: several dragons in power.
0: Literally out the wazoo, like there's a dragon running a city, a, a big city at that.
2: Yeah, one of the yeah one of the largest cities in the world, and, and it's very widely known that you don't piss off the dragon in charge.
0: Yeah, and even on top of that, we've got.
2: I mean that just seems like common sense. We've
0: got demon lords running around and actually like ordering their worshipers to do things. We've got gods physically handing down a book of law for their people. Yeah, I mm-hmm. literally don't want to live in our setting.
3: Right. Now.
2: No. It's Oh no. It sounds terrible. Also, we
3: will be publishing a map later. Right now I'm having an error trying to upload it, so
2: Yeah, we've Basically. got we've got the light map done and uh we'll we'll get to some more announcements about this stuff here towards the end. But so so somewhat high fantasy. When it comes to creating your setting, right? It, consistency is key. Consistency is going to be king when you're creating your fantasy setting. And so the, you know, and there's a bunch of other places you can go to get more thorough on how to do a lot of this stuff, but th- these are just some quick, you know, boom, boom, boom guidelines. Um, one, be consistent. If it's going to be low fantasy, then that means you
0: can't just have a city with a bunch of gnomes running around with flying machines, for yeah. example.
2: Yeah, no, the gnomes have to be like living underground, or you know, if they do have a crazy city like that, that it's something it got to be, be
0: isolated and nowhere near. Yeah, the rest it would be something akin
2: to El Dorado, or you It'd know, some stolen, famous hidden city, or like a Wakanda from Black Panther, the film uh, that's coming, and up. the comics, Excited which about. I'm really stoked about. Um, <laughs> Uh simultaneously, you know, if you're doing high fantasy, um, sure, there can be some impoverished parts and stuff. But like everybody would know what a dragon is. Everybody would know.
0: You can't just pretend it's medieval Europe and then anybody who uses magic is automatically a witch because they've probably seen a wizard come through a couple times.
3: Yeah, even if, even if magic isn't necessarily super common among people, it can still be like accepted or even. I mean, if
0: you encouraged. got a thousand people, chances are good you've got one sorcerer or warlock running around, so.
3: Right. right. And even if magic can be taught, which Clint has gone into, like you can, uh, you know, you can, you can be born magic or you can.
1: You can be born with the – in our campaign setting, you can be born with like the inherent ability to do magic. It can be gifted to you. You can learn it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can we'll go about briefly. this in yeah. several ways.
2: We're functioning at a pretty high level. So let's talk about the next thing that, again, consistency because this plays in. Tech level, and this is the antithesis to medieval
0: stasis. Is How quickly is tech advancing? Magic does provide a lot of workarounds, but the, the advent of the gun is – Overstated, But it's also understated. People realize the gun is important but they don't understand why. And the real answer is it is far easier to train a bunch of peasants to fire a gun in a line at something than it is to train them to fire a longbow.
3: One of my favorite facts is that when Henry V was attempting to invade France uh, upon his coronation, he reinforced uh, a law from Edward III that all able-bodied men need to – after church or festivals, uh, go out and practice shooting for two hours.
0: Because the thing is you have to train somebody for their entire life to use a longbow. Yeah. And you can train a peasant in a day to use okay. a musket.
3: Yeah. And, and, and Yeah. And rifling, you know, some – yeah, up until a rifling point is Just Yeah, mass. up until a point, guns were more dangerous to the shooter than to the shooty. So and pike and
0: shot was a thing for about 200 years of our call, so.
3: Like a bayonet? No, oh, pike and shot
0: is in a formation of pikes oh. backed up by musket
3: lines. Oh, OK. Cool, cool.
0: Yeah. So tech level. Where would we put our stuff at and then it's … I'd say we don't – I'm not sure if we have guns in the setting yet. My guess is no because right. we've got – we have some people running around in sort of 1,500 and we've got other people running around in early 800s.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like No, there, there is a middle ground. I'd like to think
0: that … I'd say we're at the very end of the high medieval era. Um,
2: I mean I'd like to think that gnomes have guns.
0: I mean almost certainly. It's the only because, way they can compete. Yeah. It's yeah. the
2: only way they can hang. Um, I'd also like to think that maybe another race or two have figured out the secrets to making guns. Clockwork is also a big one
0: that people forget about. Yeah, I was going to so. say the
3: gnomes are going to be heavy on like clockwork and maybe like steam power because I love that. Of course, character.
0: you can't forget right. magic exists too. You can't right, replace exactly. everything exactly with magic. I mean a steam engine? Can you imagine how much more efficient a steam engine would be with a captive water or fire elemental in it? Yeah, Exactly. Also awesome.
3: That's, that's my thinking for the gnomes. You know, so and we also have some nature spirits too. That with we're tech
2: levels, um, it's it's another thing that you have to kind of remain consistent. You know, consistency is going to always be key in these matters. So with tech levels, you know, guns is usually like the biggest indicator of where we're at. But things like the printing press—has the printing press been invented?
0: That makes education almost trivially easy to distribute among the population. So.
2: You, yeah, you have to think about these things when you're designing. You know, because if the printing press has been invented, then books have suddenly become cheaper. We're no longer relying on monks to copy everything down. Yeah, you're not relying books. on
0: wizards to be the only people who know how to write things. And yeah, suddenly education
2: bad. becomes a lot more accessible, and so ever suddenly everybody's living less squalor. But
0: and there's more wizards around, obviously too. And more importantly,
3: which may or may the domino effect of
2: advancement begins because if you look at human history.
0: I mean, we spent what incremental,
3: incremental
2: progress,
0: thousand years just sort of living in the outback, incremental uh, progress throughout
2: history, and then after the printing press became a thing, in six hundred years,
1: we have. Unimaginable tech advances.
3: Yeah. My boy Gutenberg <laughs> knocking it out the park, crushing it.
1: Nacho just said, Now, if only we
0: could use the printing press for spellbooks. <laughs> <laughs> you could. I, it'd be hard, but you could, depending on the text you're writing it in. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's movable type. There's, well, the problem, of course, is spellbooks are very weird. We're going to talk books, about them exactly. Yeah, spellbooks yeah, spell we'll are a, a whole different that's animal. That's a whole other can of worms. Um, but on top of all this, so we've got the printing press, we've got guns as big indications of tech. Steel is yeah. a
2: huge one. Metal-ish, well, I yeah. think I've I've never seen a setting where it's just assumed that like where it isn't just automatically assumed that steel is like the main thing.
0: I think the steel is really hard to produce. Actually,
3: I know. <laughs> it is. Yeah, good steel is very difficult.
2: But a lot it. of a lot of players like to you know <laughs> like it's we usually go with European style fantasy for what a lot of players run. So there's always plate armor. Steel shields, steel swords, steel weaponry. I mean that's why the stuff is so expensive in the first place, uh, which we'll get into when we hop into economics in here in just a second. But – Oh,
0: boy. Get ready. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody. We're going to be oh. talking about percentage of inflation. Get ready. Yeah.
3: <gasps> Do you want to learn some more medieval fantasy facts? Because we about to. Also, <laughs> yeah. Nacho commented, hashtag wizard master race. Yeah, well. It's real.
2: Mm, you ain't wrong. So – it was a wizard. Final he thoughts. Used magic. Yeah. Final thoughts on tech level. God.
3: I think in our world, I think the gnomes again will be the most technologically advanced, as but, is
0: tradition. Yeah. Right.
3: But I think that uh, for the gnomes, I would rather have them be using like steam mixed with magic power, like with the air and fire or the water and fire elementals. I, think I mean, that's really steampunk
0: cool. is popular. I'm not a yeah, huge fan I love of it. steampunk, but. Uh, I can't deny its popularity. Yeah, so. exactly.
3: You know, I'm doing the I'm doing the gnomes. I get to decide this, and then uh, <laughs> I do what I want. I do what I want. Uh, and uh, yeah, some limited guns. Well, no,
0: because once a gun, guns no. are not very hard to make. It turns out it's actually harder to make a good longbow than it is to make a good gun.
2: Yeah, no, making making a really respectable sword much more difficult than making a just working make gun. a
0: tube that is you know uniformly wide. And That's it. Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah, you do not really need to seal one. You just need to make non-flammable material at the other end.
2: Yeah. Done. I mean that does kind of go over the whole interchangeable parts thing that happened in the 1800s and that's when gun
0: production got real sweet. Yeah. replaceable parts is another huge thing but that's also a bit too industrial for
3: me I guess. But, yeah. but, but you could do that in your setting if you want.
0: Yeah, Industrial Revolution – in fact –
3: If you're that sort of nerd and you know about (laughs) that sort of thing,
0: go wild. This is a secret that people will disagree with. I love post-cataclysm World of Warcraft when everything sort of became early 1800s fantasy rather than medieval fantasy. Yeah, no, I
2: actually do have a – there's a spot in my heart that I appreciate for that.
0: There's sort of an industrial revolution going on and everyone has guns now and it's a huge thing. Everyone has
2: guns and it's it's an interesting thing to do. But I do love the idea
0: of like uh, slightly like late Victorian – Uh, A time of great innovation is an excellent campaign setting too Mm -hmm. because it's – you get to the sort of Boer Wars and you get one end literally still fighting with spears, shields and armor and the other end just using like repeatable rifles.
2: And the best part is when you get tired of running D&D, you can play Shadowrun set 200 years in the future in your campaign. Um, (laughs) Oh, I'm
0: just going to hack this computer with a magic.
2: Yeah. So moving on to economy, Um, I do believe in our comments we have a pinned – Post um, of a Reddit thread that I'm I've left there uh, just to make things a little bit easier because this is honestly Mm -hmm. one of the best explanations of how the economy in Dungeons and Dragons works.
0: Yeah, there's a couple problems that everyone continuously brings up. We've done some like what the heck is an economy going to do when a PC strides into town carrying twenty thousand gold pieces? Right,
3: not unlike Mansa Musa on his Hajj yeah. to Mecca, he's going to cause runaway inflation across. Yeah, he's going to collapse the economy
0: <laughs> in Africa for two hundred years. Yeah, and on top of that, this is happening like every couple weeks. How are our yeah, economies you come in stable? And you spend
3: two gold on a on a mug of ale, you know, and it's like wait, I'm sorry, that's actually it's like
0: walking costs. into a bar and dropping two hundred bucks and asking for like a gin and tonic. Yeah,
3: right. Well, like, it could tipping, be r- tipping well one exceptional gym You don't want to call, call attention to yourself necessarily unless you're trying to bribe. Of Bob course, there's
0: also the – um. is this mentioned in the Dungeon Master's Guide? I never got around to this because I remember in old editions there was a whole how much money does the average family make uh, a so, week? So
2: in that uh, – I'm glad you asked that, Paul, because in that Reddit thread that I yeah. shared, um, there actually is a very effective uh, discrepancy – between what everybody's making, how much uh, the income should be for everything from your ditch digger to your noble, uh, top to bottom, it's the simplest explanation of how the standard D D economy is supposed to work. Now, um, again, kids, the the word of the day is consistency.
0: If you, if you do something unrealistic, as long as you do it consistently unrealistic, nobody will notice. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, unless, cause you make it really obvious, like, the sky is purple, but if the sky is always purple, then it's actually less of a problem. So, you know, something that,
2: you know, cause I used to be really heavy-handed in giving away the gold, cause I wanted my players to have a bunch of money, until I finally sat down and, like, looked at a bunch of resources to see how much money I was actually giving my players. Um, yeah, so <laughs> your, your average lord, for example, based on, uh, the, the Reddit post does an excellent job of illustrating, like, what the tax percentage they're doing is. Again, tax law. Thrilling stuff, guys. Yes,
0: we're getting ready for taxes.
2: At a 17%, at a 17%, uh, taking away from a small village, uh, he should be making somewhere in the area code of about 300 to 500 a month. And you're handing out, like, a couple thousand gold every adventure. Yeah, and then, Adventurers are literally walking around with like 3,000 gold
0: on their belt. like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy a magic sword. We've talked about this before. Yeah. I'm kind of glad the magic item mart is gone because it lets the uh, Dungeon Master control more what happens. Uh. But the thing is that money rewards in Dungeons & Dragons have historically had a purpose. In 3rd edition, the most popular edition prior to current edition, um, you used it to buy magic items at absurd prices. That would crash local economies forever. <laughs> at – in first and second edition, gold was experience points. Whenever you got gold, you got experience points. So but now gold just kind of exists. Right. Yeah. You can't buy magic items with it usually, so what are you doing with all that gold? Bribe people? Are you just are you just going out to get blasted on the most expensive beer every single night? I month? mean, I still love yes. the I still love the idea. For a of, decade.
2: I still love the idea of the uh you know, the sword
1: more expensive than a kingdom. But
0: yeah. Hold on. I'm just going to buy this sword for more than this entire town is worth.
1: Yeah. Um, from this random shopkeeper whose name I've never heard.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's that? Oh, yeah. Don't worry. It's just that. you're
3: a baller. We're,
0: we're just going to drop a Lord's monthly. We're just going to drop a year of a Lord's pay on a single sword that hits people 5% more of the time. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? It's made from stone. It's made from metal
2: that fell from the sky. It's, ex- it's ex- extraordinarily brittle and it's irradiated. A... <laughs> it's forged with dragon fire. Quenched in blood. <laughs> a lot of blood. I don't know how I got it. At least 700 people. found blood. it in my backyard. <laughs> you can have it, too. Uh, what makes it so great? Uh, it's got a plus one next to it.
3: Jeffrey Verheesen makes a good comment about setting needs to have a comprehensive le- level of technology or not. I agree. You know, you can make it as wild as you want. You can be as you know disparate as you want about uh, the sort of level of technology that various you know races or cities or kingdoms might have, but you know.
1: I do. I you do. got to think I,
3: about the economy and like, are they interacting?
1: I like the fact that he brings up uh, the Islamic Golden Age and the European Dark Ages happened yeah. roughly the same time. Oh, yeah. Like exactly. that, want, that. We don't call the dark
0: ages anymore, really. It's uh, yeah. just a low period. Of,
1: well, but I mean that that. While while he's talking about technology, this this is why we're talking about – we talked about technology before economy because that also goes into uh, economic development. Yeah. There could be one part of the world that is just like – they've got gold coming out of their ears and then –
2: But do
3: they trade with anybody? Well, yeah,
1: that's a,
0: a serious problem actually.
1: And here's
2: here's the more interesting problem though and this is like the great problem that fantasy provides. Is you know so unless this is a low fantasy setting because then something like then you actually as,
0: do want to bust out your economic you want to bust out the wealth of nations and start calculating how they're making their money yeah but um, but in a in a
2: higher fantasy setting magic solves. So many problems. Oh yeah,
0: Magic. fabricate. I'm going to cast fabricate on this wall of iron and just make 80 million masterwork daggers. Well, not even that. Like it's
2: uh, the communication and tra- you know, for example, uh, going Send, back. And isn't sending like a
0: first level spell? Yeah, and it's faster than light communications. Yeah, pretty much. It's instantly happens. So
2: it's there are you know in in high fantasy settings there are several ways that like the world like the world becomes a much smaller place a lot. Quicker, yeah. in a high fantasy setting, kind of like how nowadays it's like at you know at any point any of us can just hop on a plane. Hang on, I'm just going to call my friend from
0: Argentina. One moment, yeah. Hi, how you doing? Ten seconds. It's
2: Done. you know, so that's it, it's something that creates a problem, but it's a problem that you should have an answer for. Is if one place is doing poorly, is it because they're cut off from trade? Are they are they
0: getting punished for some sort of um? misdeed quote-unquote like germany was after the first world war or Uh,
3: or is like a god actually you know in this directly punishing you know
2: punishing them is their
0: crops will fail your children will
2: die are the guilds like just holding all the money and there's just a nasty reaganomics you know poorly
0: done trickle down economy happening trickle down is called voodoo economics for a reason but we'll, we'll stay away from politics here so yeah
2: um, well, that also brings us to the next part of the economy and things that you need to kind of have in place. Uh, How about
0: transport of goods? Not even that. Guilds, organizations. Yeah. Mercantile industries. The mercantile uh, – what's it called? The mercantile system. And I should mention beforehand that I'm not endorsing any of this. So just be aware. <laughs> this is something that is almost certainly happening in your setting. But that does not necessarily mean it's a moral or ethical thing to do. The big function of the mercantile system is to enrich a nation by getting as much gold and silver or other precious metals into your country as possible. And a big part of this is A, having a good system of guilds to get a stranglehold on the market and B, colonizing other uh, regions to steal their resources and bring them home. And the thing, of course, is we're not going to get too deep into the ethics of it. It was probably not a good idea ethically, but it was effective. Your countries are probably doing it. Like in your setting, your countries would need a darn good reason to not colonize other places that couldn't stop them to get their resources. Unless you're playing extremely high fantasy with sort of good a battle between good and evil. There's almost certainly some king out there who's uh, economically minded enough to say, huh, maybe we should go and take it's a, a nice stranglehold in that there. cinnamon trade. Yeah. Well, I
2: mean, even if you look throughout history, there wasn't a crusade that was done that wasn't to a economically viable target.
0: Yeah, that was the seventh crusade, I believe. And they stopped and they just mugged Venice and uh, they mugged no, the Constantinople instead. That's my
3: favorite one. Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> this must be it. This looks like he When I right.
0: rate my crusades... <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh
3: Alexius Comnenus, well, the bishop of Byzantium, was like, this a, is literally the opposite of what I wanted.
0: Yeah. This is the Doge of Venice, the blind Doge of Venice. I uh, remember no Leo something. I can't yeah. remember his name.
2: But more importantly, too, it's helpful for characters and uh, – or it's helpful for player characters to have a setup of guilds and
0: organizations. Not less than in- an adventurer's guild. We're talking like a potter's guild or a clothesmaker's guild. Yeah. And their whole purpose is to – what we would consider in current economic systems, set up a monopoly by conspiring against the consumer. Yeah. Again,
2: this isn't fascinating stuff, but there but is – It's also
3: kind of like a labor union. So.
2: But there are ways to it's make this – It's like the this, worst kind of labor union. <laughs> there are ways to make this very effective in uh, – for like low-level characters.
0: It's not like you're fighting a horde of orcs. It's the local trade union is crushing all life out of this, uh, this settlement. Actually, I love unions. Guilds are a bad idea. Guilds were not properly thought through by the people <laughs> who set them up. Wouldn't that,
1: I think that might, would be a, an interesting kind of villain, from Paul. if you will, is your, your players trying to take down the guild that is yeah. just destroying your
0: settlement. Yeah, yeah like I mean, an
3: oligarchs, you it's, know, so conspiracy. The, yeah,
0: the local, uh, I guess, bread maker, the Milner's Guild, <laughs> is currently charging outrageous sums to mill your grain. And this is not exactly the thrilling. Uh, it's not fantasy. thrilling stuff but like at the same time … It's well, still a dangerous and painful thing to do to a society. You know, A, a very easy
2: three-step thing to do with like – and you suddenly have a compelling villain is, yeah, the Milners, they set up a – they add higher prices because there is a drought. But they are going a bit overboard.
0: Yeah, they're trying to make money. And they're going they're, too far and crushing people, basically. Yeah. And they, you know, they're paying off, uh,
2: lords or whoever up higher, you know, with their, uh, you know, they're able to add a little bit to the tithe every month. Uh, so they're making money. Lords are making money. So they don't really care. So the commoners are screwed. Yeah. This is where the party steps in. Uh, no, hey. he feels
3: like he's being roasted by you, Paul.
0: I'm sorry.
1: Uh,
2: Alan. <laughs> sorry, what did I do not? I <clears throat>
0: apologize.
1: Alan brings up a really cool, uh, comment. He said, uh, what what I find challenging about creating urban areas is making the law enforcement, keeping the guards strong enough to possibly keep your players in line in case of murder hoboing.
0: Yeah, that's – a. But
1: also scary. keep them weak enough where the players don't try to go around thinking, oh, the guards will take care of it.
0: Yeah. You can't have – the thing is that the guards ultimately – the guards should be effective enough because no matter how incredible of a fighter you are, 30 dudes with crossbows are going to kill you. I I think that if you're if you're gonna step out of a bar, you can you can crush a a giant skull with your bare hands. But if you take thirty crossbow bolts to the torso, you're dead.
1: That goes that goes back to something that when I started DMing, uh, that Jake sent me a a resource. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was about kobolds. Is it Andrew? Tucker's kobolds. Tucker's Tucker's kobolds. Tucker's kobolds. He had a dungeon that he designed where it was basically just only kobolds in the dungeon. And he made kobolds the most terrifying thing on so the like planet 12, to deal with.
0: PCs. Yeah. Because they just set up uh, diabolical traps and good tactics. Yeah. Which, yeah, guys. I
2: just, you know. It, it's something to be aware of, sir. Uh, to, well, to, you know, my take on Alan's question is the, the way I like to do urban policing is uh, there's – because there's a lot of really good examples of modern policing and stuff. Like there's a lot of areas. Uh, we, you know, we come from Michigan. Detroit is – Notorious, we will say, to say the least,
0: for reasons given that it's not nearly as bad as it sounds anymore.
2: And but at the same time, uh, Detroit still has a problem with having adequate enough police officers, yeah, law enforcement. Like they, yeah,
0: they, like they put people away time. for like
2: twenty years, but there's only a well, hundred of them they, guarding. Uh, they just yeah, they don't have as many bodies as the city of Detroit would like to have. Uh, they're very thinly spread. So you know, depending on your urban setting, perhaps. The guard is well-funded. Perhaps the guard isn't well-funded. Yeah, it depends.
0: The prosperity of a town is going to roughly indicate. The richer town is. Um, unless uh, the person running the town is particularly stupid or short-sighted, the richer town is, the better funded a guard is going to be. Yeah, it's I one guess.
3: Of, or is this even uh, handed down from above and are these like king's guards that are like a garrison?
0: Yeah, but the thing is guards – it's much easier to have guards who live in the city because then you don't have to yeah. pay for their barracks
1: basically. In, in my opinion to like really – a. a dress the comment uh this is i feel like one of the areas where as far as guard performance and competency uh consistency really isn't key you can have inconsistency throughout guard performance throughout city yeah you can have incompetent throughout different through different cities or within the same same city. city in different districts like you the world is pretty much your oyster when it comes to law enforcement so finding finding that balance uh that you're talking about is pretty difficult so even, I just put it all over the map,
0: but it depends here, on where they are. If here's they're in the thing, though: the slums, and, there's not going to be effective laws. Yeah, no.
1: But here's where it comes back to, though, and it comes
2: and it's all going to circle back to the economy button because, again, it's as economy, as as sometimes boring as the stuff may be to talk about, it does have very important ramifications when you just start going in there and messing with the numbers
0: just a little bit. I'm just going to drop around twenty thousand gold, and people just flip out because now their money is worthless. Well, there's, for example, there's something like that.
2: There is also, say, the, uh, you know, say we've got a gilded, guard system, right? Like uh the, Nacho just commented that he uses yeah. mercenary
3: guilds. Yeah. Yes, that's
2: in not a wel- in, in wealthier cities.
3: Yeah. And then militia like top down guards, yeah. I'm imagining, yeah. like king's garrisons in poorer cities, yeah. which
2: is cool. Um let's say the uh the lord suddenly doesn't want to pay and he's using scabs, people who want to beat local guards. Well guess what? They're not that well trained. Crime is starting to get out of hand, but you know, you've got yourself a pissing contest. You can and use right there. you can use economy to create really compelling problems.
0: Yeah, I mean for your money makes the world go round. Yeah. In any setting where it's not just uh, the Dark Lord Sauron has summoned his minions, now the forces, the yeah. free peoples must oppose him. But no, I'll you say have it to, again.
3: It's the economy, stupid.
0: It, you have to at least note that at some point people are going to wonder, am I getting paid for this? Am I getting paid enough for this? There are fanatics, but those are outliers. <laughs> Most people are not going to die for a paycheck. No. <laughs> Maybe. Um. Like I was saying, there are fanatics – and there are suicidal, uh, suicidally overconfident people, but your average guard is not going to rush an adventure unless he's got thirty guys backing him.
3: Yeah, or he has a really good reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is
2: also a conceit too that sometimes drives me crazy when it's just like guards are laughably bad at
0: combat. No, they're they're trained. I mean, the they're thing at is, least is level that one. At, in in, in rich cities, they should at least be like first or second level fighters, and maybe even third or fourth level
3: fighters. Yeah, or like told. the captain of the guard would be like a third or fourth level fighter. Yeah. yeah.
0: Actually, no. A captain of the guard is probably going to be around fourth or fifth level. Yeah, because that's somebody it should be easily. That's like a, an adventurer or a soldier who went Fair on a big yeah. campaign and came back and is actually pretty good at his job. Yeah.
1: yeah, and and that would justify why he is now captain of the guard exactly. and not just a regular guard. Yep. That actually, I'd like to segue
2: to that though, because that is another bit of world building. Uh, Little, little bit of world building that is, it varies DM to DM. And so I'd actually like to hear this from everybody at the table. Okay. Um, what is the, and this kind of ties back into medieval stasis and, uh, like the levels, uh, you know, high fantasy, low fantasy, stuff like that. How many capable adventurer NPCs are in your world? And like, what's, what's why are people adventuring?
0: That's another good question, but we'll we'll say well, that. We'll,
2: we'll get bit. to that, but I'm, I'm just you know – I'm throwing adventure out there as oh. kind of a catch-all. But like – just like you said, fifth-level fighter. Uh, he went out on a tour of duty. He came back. He survived. He's clearly a bad, bad man.
0: Um, it depends how quickly you hand out experience I feel. I mean in my campaign setting, you have up to almost eighth level with extremely experienced veterans and like war heroes. But it doesn't ever get higher than that. I saw a big and excellent – I've read, I should say, a big and excellent thing about why, in the real world, the highest level people you ever meet are about fifth level. Yeah, uh, this is a fairly unexceptional world, and the average person, like even the average excellent individual, is still not that tough, because obviously this is a world in which bad things happen to good people for no reason. Yeah. So, again, this is kind of a weird topic. I'm, I'm struggling a bit here. Please forgive me. Is people. And especially high-level individuals do have to settle down because you can't just always go run around fighting mummies forever. That's not a sustainable uh, – perform- like a sustainable job. You're, you're going to die.
3: You're going to take an arrow to the knee. Yeah.
0: You're going to take an arrow to the throat. Yeah. Like it's just going to happen eventually. Yeah. You can't just keep doing it. Yeah.
2: So, but, so more firmly just about eighth level is where you go?
0: Yeah. OK. For like the most talented, most experienced in huge cities. All right. And then – but obviously
2: there are still like the epic examples.
0: Oh, yeah. Like uh, people who live for a long time, like you're going to have elven heroes who are 12th or 15th level. Yeah. But they're sort of sitting on their laurels because they're busy with all the politics that have sort of encrusted them over time. All right. So they can't just keep – they can't drop everything and go help out your PCs.
2: Yeah. That's – I mean, yeah. That's kind of where my setting sits is – normally that's where it's at. But I'm currently in what could be called the Age of Heroes. Because there's been a bunch of campaigns back to back to back to back in about a 50-year time You've got a bunch of
0: very powerful people. There's a bunch of – there's a lot of
2: very powerful people running around
1: my world right now and it's slightly a problem. Um,
0: Is that why you're killing everybody? Just a a little
1: bit. Jeffrey has another really good comment. Uh, Is the setting you're working on purely feudal kingdoms or do you have mercantile city-states as well? If so, do these interact since they're basically rival economic systems? Oh, of course. Yes.
3: It's a rearer for example, a is it
0: exists pretty much solely to accrue uh, Paltrax wealth. Yeah, uh, and just obviously give her stability. I mean, the Dragonborn peoples—I'm not sure what their uh, their empire name is—they are conquering more and more people because they want to get everyone under their rule so they can get their tax dollars. Yeah, they yeah. The Hill Dwarves are currently conquering and enslaving as many people as possible to prove they can. Yeah, so
3: there, there's conflict. There you go. That's plot. Uh
0: the gnomes, on the other hand, are almost certainly city-states because gnomes don't seem like the kind of people who would organize an actual empire to me. So they're probably no. in small-scale wars with each other all the time over trade deals.
3: I was actually thinking the gnomes would actually have like one town that really has more like – not really gang warfare but like petty we guilds. We crime in a yeah, moment. Yeah, exactly. Not really gang warfare but like petty guilds among each other but they're in like one big gnome settlement.
0: Yeah. So colonization certainly happens because yeah. that's a thing that people like to cast – Criticism on history, but every major power in history has colonized for one reason or another. Yes, even
2: the China. Economy. Yes. Right. So let's. Uh, but let's finish up with uh,
0: powerful NPCs with Clint. Why they Why they don't help PCs? You can't just have Elminster. Well,
2: I mean, anything. how do you? You know, how many do you have around there? Because that is.
0: That I actually is,
1: don't. I I don't have a defined number. That's. Um. I'm. I, I don't. I don't have all of the. Uh, characters in my world with P- like pc levels character levels fleshed out um <clears that's <clears <throat> too much work honestly yeah but players can do that i mean there are in their backstory there are a few very very high level people in my world of course um but much like very powerful dragons they just generally stick to their own yeah they have no real no, reason they to have problem. no they have no time to deal with your bullshit frankly like it Why? Why would I get involved in this?
0: I am busy conducting a three hundred year research into gnome populations. Exactly. Leave me alone.
3: (laughs) Or if you're a dragon, you got a big, big old bed of gold to lay on.
0: Yeah, I just, I I just love gold so much. Let me just rake it and wash myself with it. Look
3: cozy.
0: But yeah,
1: I would, I would, I would go along the lines of like a like a similar model to what Paul brought up. Uh, That 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 seems to be the most logically sound way to go about. You know, NPCs and how tough NPCs would be yeah. in a campaign setting.
2: All right. So let's move on to transportation and just the, the last little bit of fleshing out your world because, again.
0: People need to get uh, places. People need to move goods from places to places. Trade is essential to human and not in demi-human and other human civilizations. Like elves probably don't need as much trade as uh, humans do, but dwarves certainly do because they live underground yeah. usually. So, so how are they going to get their, their beer? They can't grow wheat underground. They can't grow hops underground. can you? Not with that attitude.
1: <laughs> you can not, grow unless there, mushrooms. not unless there's just like one dwarf mage that's casting light.
2: But see, though, that's the thing. Or, yeah, the tick shifts, it's, you know. It's a – well, it's a – that is something, though, that is considered in a high fantasy and a low fantasy setting. If it's low fantasy and they're, you know, the dwarves, yeah, they have to be pretty ambitious with their trade routes because they don't have enough wizards to do that. If it's a high fantasy setting, it's like, oh, look at that. We got the interns back from the magic college. You kids are going to be casting
1: light all week.
2: <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> Alan just said, Airships with like five eyes and in all caps. That's actually funny that you say that because we have
0: an airship in our campaign setting that I play in on Wednesdays.
3: I even have a beautiful model of it. Yes. Well, it's to scale. Transportation is size.
0: interesting, and I'm going to go back into boring economics, so bear with me for a while. Ben. All right. Um, for almost all of history until the invention of the train, uh, it was whose rocket? It was not Stevenson's rocket, but something rocket. It's the first train. Water travel, like ships, was so much more efficient than caravans oh my God. that it's not even like
3: it's left. I can't
0: compare them because, in the same time it takes for you to ship uh, one wagon load of goods to another city, you can ship about six or seven ships, and those are carrying around 90 times more stuff. Yeah. So water oh, yeah. travel like is expensive. The
3: yeah, they're expensive to invest in, but worth it. Well, I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. but
2: that's why historically most major cities are usually on
0: some form of water. Yeah, or a river that leads into the ocean that you can sail up. Yeah, port, yeah. I, I port gonna... cities are a big deal for a reason. Yeah. But that being said, let's take a step back. Flying and levitation is a thing in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. It's admittedly a high level thing, but if you can but hire a fifth level wizard to cast levitate or fly on things.
3: Then you've got a levitating yeah. Then you've got You can
0: go even faster gotta, than ships. Got and even more than that, teleportation circles is something I very much recommend. New DMs should just delete from their world when they're considering what's <laughs> actually happening. Yeah, because teleportation circles render every other method of transportation completely obsolete.
2: It's actually true. I've had to slowly work them out of
0: my campaign setting. Yeah, so I kind of
1: I kind of messed up and um, I introduced them like. Uh, Two months
0: ago? (laughs) Yeah. In in the time it takes to ship one shipload of goods or something, you can ship around 18,000 times that amount through a teleportation.
2: Although there is – actually Wizards does do a pretty good job in 5th edition of covering their butt on it if you want to like get really hard tacky with the rules because it costs – Roughly 100 gold per transport still.
0: But that's nothing. That's it's a it's a 10 by 10 circle. Do you know how much money you can make if you transport a 10 by 10 cube of anything through it? Oh, I, I know. I know. But it makes all other forms of transport completely obsolete and your city would be built in a sort of circle around your teleportation circle. There's no, no other method of transportation deserves to exist after teleportation circles are created, <laughs> which is why you should remove them from your setting. Because you can't have the whole escort this caravan here as a plot hook because the caravan is laughably inefficient compared to a ship, which is laughably inefficient compared to a teleportation circle. Yeah.
2: But at the same time, though, I think they exist as a good way for the mage's college
0: to have all that money. Oh, yeah. Money. <laughs> all
1: of
2: that. If you're going to have them,
0: make sure the, uh, the mage's college or the mage's collective, whatever you're going to call it, is being very careful with the secrets of uh, teleportation circles. They're dangerous. They're very dangerous. Nacho just commented, pro
3: tip, teleportation circles should be used sparingly. Otherwise, your PCs will ruin your plans. Yes. Fact.
2: Yeah. And plus, you just Mm – then you miss out on nature stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't get to do
0: the – You can't just have every campaign set only in cities because teleportation circles exist. Not with that attitude. (laughs) Um, I mean you could. It would just be a very different setting than Dungeons & Dragons.
2: But again, having in mind, uh, you know – Your conflicts between cities, who's got boats moving where, and stuff. This is this is where pirates come from. It's it's one of these things that when you start, you know, because initially this stuff seems really boring,
0: but when you sit down, you plot out the consequences of any action.
2: Yeah, and you plot out, you know, okay, this city here has a trade deal with a city farther down the coast, and there's a city in the middle. And that city in the middle hates the city at the bottom and so wants to interfere their trade. Then that's where we get you know some state-funded pirating, much yeah. like AKA England used to Privateering, yeah. my
3: favorite. Well, my character is a pirate in our Wednesday night game, in fact.
0: But seriously, pirating and crime is inevitable. Yeah. You can have the most powerful guard in the world. They can be omniscient and there will still be crime. Anywhere there's a place for money to be made, money making people will make money. Booty shaking.
1: That's actually a really cool idea. Victoria says teleportation circles kind of work like airplane flights in my world. They, there are location and time limitations.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a way to get around it. Just, you can't use uh, teleportation circles as written because it breaks the entire setting. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Just (laughs) a little bit.
2: All right, guys. So we got about 14 minutes left to show today. Um, before we uh, before we move on to our last little bit we got planned here, uh, we'd like to thank everybody who's new, tuning in, for checking out the show. We appreciate it. We seem a little off our game today. We are slightly hungover.
0: Um, Some
1: of you <laughs> Going to Grand Rapids will do that to you, right?
3: Guys? Yeah, just a little bit.
1: Uh,
2: wedding with an open bar will do that to you. Yeah. but
3: Cheers, yeah, that friends. Was. <laughs>
1: Thanks.
2: But yeah. besides that, uh, really quick, just a couple of bits and... Uh, news to get through, Fado, our super awesome moderator, recently celebrated a birthday. So happy birthday, Fado. Shout out on the show. Happy
0: birthday. Um, happy birthday,
1: Fado.
2: And we are doing a giveaway for mm-hmm. trying to grow our page. So if you want to win a free D&D book, head absolutely over.
0: absolutely no effort. Yeah.
2: Head over. Well, just a little bit of effort. You have to take that Click the like button. Yeah. Scroll over to the 3DM's Facebook page. Give us a like. Once we get to 500 likes on our Facebook page, we are going to give away Two books, um, one book to a lucky person. We're, we're going to pick two winners. Each person's going to get a book, and uh, the only any restriction D&D is D&D like. yeah, any, any D&D book you like just as long as it's not a special edition because we are not going to wait on eBay and camp out uh, sales for you. We love you, but not that You can that do much. that
0: yourself. I'm sorry.
2: So head over to our page, give it a like, and you might win a book.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, let's see. And our last little bit of housekeeping business that we have to do here today. Um we, exciting one. Yes. A l- little bit of an exciting one. Uh, we are going to be going to bur- – Isn't that
0: Fantasticon? Yes.
2: We are heading to Fantasticon March 10th and 11th. We're still nailing down what day we're going to be, but we're heading to Fantasticon in uh, –
3: Toledo, Ohio.
2: Yeah, Toledo, Ohio in March. So if you're going to be there – Come say hi. It will be fun. Uh, it's going to be a comic book convention. So we're going to do a show most likely on comic books and D&D and how to, how to do some comic booky stuff with your fifth edition. Uh, so that's going to be pretty fun. So if you're going to be heading to that, there's also a couple of cons. We know that we're going to be attending soon here, but we're just getting schedules worked out. So as we figure out more of that, we will – Give out details, but if
3: you if you come join podcast Detroit and do your own podcast here, you too can get a press pass.
2: Yep. So, with that in mind, with that in mind, let us finish up the nitty bitty little details, and the last thing we've got on the list after
0: doing not tech crime. levels, not crime. I hope that's another set. No, that's another a, scenario. Oh, oh yeah,
2: that's a that's a whole nother beastie. Um. The final thing you have to really focus on as far as like a nitty-gritty, itty-bitty detail that can sometimes be granular. Yeah, granular, but it's super important is what is the nature, the availability, and this kind of brings us back full circle with tech level or uh, fantasy levels, the availability and the applications of magic.
0: This is an important one, so pay attention. Yeah. Magic is – Arguably, what separates Dungeons and Dragons from all of their role playing games. So, mm-hmm. this is the biggest one, and just I, I'm a little disappointed. We saved this for last because of how exciting it is, but well, we have time, so let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So, magic. How available is it to you and your to your PCs into the world? Is it like one in a thousand people have the talent to do magic, and they people and the, whatever the mages collective it is goes out and harvests people who are capable from a bunch of families. Or is it anyone who can read books can eventually learn how to use magic? Or is it only You can go to
3: the mages' college if you want? You know, since if you, you got the read. money, yeah, you send your yep. second
0: son to the mages' college because you can't send him, you can't give him everything, so he's got to be a wizard to help out your other brother. Yeah.
2: It is determining the nature of magic, the way that magic uh, is either taught or learned. Is it uh, an apprenticeship system? You know, like there's there, you have to have a mentor wizard you know pass on these things is it
0: one teacher to one student sort of sith styles one master and one servant or Or is it lecture halls yeah we got
2: harry potter going on you know do people just roll up and it's like hey i'm here to learn magic for the next eight years it's gonna be great passed all the entrance
0: exams and i'm really excited (laughs) i'm gonna learn to be a useless first level wizard in some backwater somewhere
2: i know right and then there's all those philosophy magic majors oh you're
3: useless. only into like post you know
1: post structural magic yes. i'm trying I'm trying to stay focused on what we're talking about, but our comments are like hilarious right now. I don't know if you guys are actually reading this, but they're talking about the teleportation security agency aka tSA <laughs> 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 and asking if he nacho asked if he needs to arrive two hours early. Victoria says no need to arrive two hours early, but in my experience, just showing up on time is challenging enough. And then Dan says it's just the regulation of potions more than two ounces that ties
0: (laughs) up the time.
3: That's real. I had my sunscreen taken away from me at Gatwick Airport, and I was very sad, and I got a sunburn. Watch out. You could use
0: a magic bomb with those potions.
2: All right. No, but let's (laughs) – Let's talk about magic really quick. He says
1: Nacho says so I should move my potions into separate containers to yes. speed things up. Yeah. <laughs> Seventh of the magic A- scanner. Anyway, uh going <laughs> going into magic. Um I that that was uh one of the things that I was uh put in charge of doing for our campaign. Have seven. you done anything to involve it? Yeah. Excellent. Um like I've just to recap what I said in uh previous episodes or uh, previous ep- episode. Episode. Ugh, easy for me to say, right? Um, Go on. I'm listening. It, it It's a physical force that exists. Yeah. So it, it's not like this crazy supernatural thing, even though magic is inherently supernatural, but it's not. It is a natural force that exists in the world. In our setting. In our setting. So the way to use it is obviously by manipulating this natural force. Um, okay. Obviously, with the exceptions of like clerics and sorcerers who are just kind of born like right.
2: that. Yeah. Well, you I know, mean, but more importantly, traditionally
1: though, speaking, we're going we're we're going as far as casting goes with magic uh, yeah. and the classes, the caster classes, the traditional ways that they would okay, achieve but, their magic. Work. Well, so
2: here, but here are, so here are the them hard hitting journalistic questions. All right. Um, what is your favorite color? What is your favorite color? And where do wizards go? Do wizards go to colleges? Do, is wizards a- do
0: go to colleges, yes. OK. So it's post-learning. So how do the colleges
2: wizard? make money? Because uh, reagents ain't cheap.
0: No. And they got they can't gouge people's scholarship money anymore. How are they going to do that? Yeah, exactly. Um, Government funded? They... A majority,
1: I like to think a majority of the Mages College's money are brought in by, once you go through the Mages College, and you, like, the Mages College will send mages from the college out into the world on assignments. Very similar to a character that we had in a game in the Wednesday game where, you know, you could have X amount of guys in a guard, but, like, if a guy's hurling fireballs at you,
3: all the crossbows ain't going to help that.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, right. they uh, they they make a decent amount of their money by sending out mages to different cities to do different things, depending on what type of magic they learned while they were at the mage's
3: college. So, what you, like what public you, works,
0: maybe
1: if
2: they're yeah. being paid enough. Yeah, it doesn't mean you know. Here's the thing I think about stuff like that. Uh, if you're a wizard, right? Like, and you're a very smart wizard. Uh, you know, I know a bunch of like people who are chemists. And, you know, come from otherwise, you know, like great scientific backgrounds. And even though they understand how to make a bomb, they have no interest in wanting to make a bomb and then go to a battlefield and deliver said bomb. (laughs) A lot of these wizards would be fascinated by the study of magic just for the study of magic. I mean, sure, you get the, you know, you get Jeffrey, you know, the one who really, 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 really loves evocation magic. But other than Jeffrey, because he's weird, um,
3: it's just a bunch of nerds writing. Down yeah, it's stuff. a bunch
2: of nerds like you know trying to advance levitate. the
3: study of magic. Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, like, you got
0: the couple of bomb disposal techs who are way too excited about explosives, but yeah. explosive magic There's in this nerds. case. Yeah.
2: So, you know, a way that's feasible for your, you know, your mages' college to suddenly make money is they do big public works projects. Yeah, you know, uh, why? Yeah, why have uh, they? Why have a bunch of low, you know, low intelligence commoners do? You know, building an aqueduct, and it would take months or even years to make it work when mages can have it done by the next week, yeah, by next
1: week also also on top of that, the Mages college is much like actual universities um for the most part, spearheading research um you know they'll they'll go on, oh hey, we found you know it. It gets into something like are all of the monsters in the monster manual there? Are any of them extinct now? Because if you have We've
0: have crossed an owl with a bear because yes. we could.
1: If you have things if you have things in your magic. campaign setting that have gone extinct, for example, then the mages college would be the ones that are doing the excavations. Yeah. Cool. I you like know. That. They they are the spearhead of any sort of intellectual development.
0: In fact, I would go so far as to say they probably replace traditional colleges because who wants to be a regular chemist when you can be a magic chemist? Exactly.
3: Right, and that's how you can also sort of cover up for technology. And when so alchemy actually
2: works, yeah. <laughs> but let's get back to the other uh, hard-hitting questions. Other hard-hitting questions about magic. Okay. Um. Okay. So we we know now how the college works, mm-hmm. and based on the way you said it, it seems like an independent organization that has a significant amount of power
3: and a good relationship, a non-state
0: with... actor, yeah. if you will.
2: Yeah. Um, yes. At but which a good At which states. point, uh. Does anybody – because now we've got this straight-line dialogue and you can see how this can cause problems mm-hmm. because what you have is basically the way my magic college is set up in my setting anyways, which – Oh, there is, is it? Yeah. That's like literally exactly what my magic <laughs> college does. <laughs> they lines um, stick alike I guess. Yeah. Uh, how do other states now shape the way they do things?
0: Well, I suspect that like most – non-state actors, eventually states would decide, huh, we don't like having these bunch of random people dictate how we can do our public works projects, so we'll fund our own
3: we should just do it ourselves. magic
0: organizations.
3: How hard can it be?
0: Probably pretty hard, but yeah. if they got money, <laughs> it's worth it. That's all the is to it. Like.
3: Yeah.
0: You're going to have uh, – this Kane that I don't want to pay the local mages college 10,000 gold a year just to make my aqueducts and cities actually get built. So we're just going to spend that $10,000 educating a new level of uh, magicians we're gonna make to help mages our
3: own.
0: It's going to be better. They're going to be public employees. Yeah. yeah. Mage tech. So
2: other ways you can go with magic though because I think what we did there is pretty standard. Like all I, of us have read Harry Potter.
0: Well – um. In the settings I, I create, so. usually magic is just a thing that anyone can do, but it's much like setting off a firework. You're probably going to hurt yourself if you don't know what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. So absolutely anybody can use magic. It's just if you try to use it and you don't know how to use it, you're going to die.
2: And let's on, – on the last little bit, uh, let's talk about how magic actually affects places in the world because, I mean, again, if we're – so if we're going with the – you know just like one of the standard ways people use or uh, explain magic in their games is it's a bit like a natural force. Yeah. yeah. Is, it, force. is there like a Final Fantasy Seven kind of, uh, you know,
0: like mana or a source of energy that flows through the planet? It depends on the setting obviously. But I think in this one, um, magic is directly given by the gods. So if the gods feel that too much magic has been used in an the area, they can reduce the amount available.
2: And just like that, going through our little, you know, list, we – Set a tech level. We set, uh, you know, if we're in medieval stasis or not. We set if we have high or low fantasy. We went through our economy. We went through our transportation. And we went through magic. And in one hour of just glancing at these topics, we have been able to
0: set narrow a fundamental basis,
2: for the narrow world. refine, and set up our world in the future.
1: I actually just got a decent idea for uh, the overall setting. Uh, as as we stated before uh, we we talked about the creation and rebirth of the world yes. on a prior episode if so as you said the gods the gods, gods can take magic out and maybe instead of taking magic out that's when the gods hit the reset button is they're like well there's way too much magic in the world at this point and that's why the high level magic users will survive they pass on the knowledge of how to great clint now we magic. can't
2: sell this now we can't sell this to people you've done it Damn, you messed it all up, Clint. Why would I sell like? that? What, what do you What do you mean? You ruined everything, Clint. All right, jeez. But we're out of time. We're out of time this week, guys. Um,
3: thanks for tuning in with us. Thanks and for thanks tuning in. Being a hoot.
2: Yeah. So next week, uh, we're gonna finish up world building. We're gonna have our map 100 percent done. We're gonna talk about geopolitics. Uh, again, exciting stuff. But we're gonna finish off world building, and then I think first week of February we're gonna do villains. We're gonna talk about mm-hmm. villains. villains. Because we've been wanting to do that show for a while.
0: Important thing to talk
2: about. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a big, that's going to be a big super show. Uh, reminder, we're doing the giveaway. So if you're new to the show and you like what's going on, head over to our Facebook page, give us a like. And once we hit 500 likes on Facebook, we're going to give away a book to two lucky winners. So when we get 500 likes, we're going to pick two of you at random. And we are going to send out a book to each of
1: you. You get to pick the book, though. You get to pick the book.
2: Yeah, we're not just going to choose a random. Yeah, you get a player's handbook,
1: and you can like it. And to specify, this does only count for likes. I did see a couple of follows. I don't know if they also like the page as well. We like follows. We do like follows. Those do help. But for the contest itself, we're going to be pulling from the list of people that have liked the page that are not family us or very close friends
3: Fortnite. of the show. Wow!
0: I won my own contest. I'm so yeah. lucky. Oh, God, that joke again.
2: All right, but yeah, we're out of time this week, guys. I'm Jake. I'm Paul.
3: I'm Helen.
1: And I'm Clint.
2: <laughs> and the show is over. Yes. <laughs>
1: we'll, we'll confused. You Paul is in, confused. Yes. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron. Fear, not. Fear not. Ranger. Ranger, Barbarian, Barbarian. Barbarian. Magician, Cavalier, and then. <laughs> <Antichrist. Ron. laughs> who was that that was vengeance the force force of of evil evil. i I am dungeon
0: master master, your guide guide in the realm realm of dungeons dungeons and and dragons. dragons